0: Welcome to the P4C Podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 13 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each week, the P4C Podcast delivers rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. Our current series is from P4C 2021, Scripture, the Ultimate Authority. We now join Ben Russell for today's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged.
1: Out of all the messages I've ever given, I've never seen a more good-looking group. You guys, (laughs) killing it. Absolutely crushing it. So, well done. Your clothing game is on point tonight. So, I am super excited to be here with you guys. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and just to to see you worship and to desire Jesus. It's it's cool. It's just a good thing. And so, uh, tonight is, um, I hope to encourage you with how to study Scripture and the importance that comes with that. So first off, I just want to give you this example. I want to put this story in your mind, all right? So imagine that you are a brain surgeon. I played volleyball with a lot of you last night. I know we're not brain surgeons, but we're going to pretend like we are. So I want you to imagine, though, that you are, in fact, brain surgeons. And in this story... You're a brain surgeon and who is about to perform a major operation. The patient who is here is diagnosed with a very defined tumor in his brain. You are dressed, you've lathered up, you've soaked up, you've got gloves on and your hands are up like this. We've all seen the medical shows, that's how it works. Your hands are up, you're prepared, you're ready. You walk into the room where you look around and you see the nurses, you see doctors, you see the anesthesiologist over here. They look to you. They're ready to go. You Come in, you take a deep breath. You look down at the tray, you see the patient. Everybody kind of huddles in. You see the tools. You pick up that scalpel. You take one final breath. You see where the incision needs to go and you begin to go in. At that moment, at that first incision, you are now committed for the next couple hours. You are committed to what needs to be done. You're committed to uh, being in the work of what we would say precision. To cut too far as you're working down and cutting away would potentially mean that you sever a nerve, leaving your patient completely paralyzed from the neck down. To not cut far enough might mean that you actually don't excise the tumor, meaning that it could potentially come back and be a problem for your patient later on. Everything about what you do in that moment as a brain surgeon matters. It's about precision. It's about precision. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight as we're talking about the Word of God. It requires precision it requires precision and we need to study and we need to interpret with the utmost care with the utmost precision and this is what Paul meant when he told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 rightly divide the word of truth that's what we see there i noticed in Phil's closing prayer when he was up here earlier with us that his closing prayer he said may we cut it straight That was the prayer. That's a very biblical language, right? Pulled right from where we're at. May we cut it straight. May that be our prayer. That we, as Bible students, as people who are diving into the word, not just academically, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that it would be a heart exercise as well, right? That we would be intentional, that we would work with precision. To be one who handles the word correctly requires getting it straight, and giving it straight. Now, we say that because the word correctly handles in its Greek root means orthos, means straight, from which we get the word orthopedic. And so Paul challenges Timothy to teach the word of God straight and undiluted. Correctly handling God's word, that has been the challenge over the past couple thousand years, has it not? To handle the word correctly throughout this history that we know for 2,000-ish years, that's been the challenge. And when I say correctly handling the word, it's language that really flies in the face of the modern pulpit. When we want to hear exposition, when we come to uh, maybe a church that you've not been to, maybe a speaker you've not heard before, and you come for exposition, and and sadly enough, what you might get is more of a dis-exposition. You come, ready to go. You settle into the seat. You see the text up on the screen. You're ready to go. You got your pen out. You settle back into your chair. Just to hear the guy not give what you want, not give what you need, not give what you should expect. And we know there's guys like that out there, right? That's just the reality of it. We have to be very aware of where we're hearing the word, We don't just take it for granted that whoever stands at a pulpit knows 100% what they're saying is right. You need to hear that man speak from the word of God, right? So there's a big distinction there. So what we were talking about handling the word of God correctly, that's been the challenge for thousands of years. The guy may tell some wonderful stories. He may be articulate. He may be funny. Uh, But at the end of the day, you go for a Sunday feast just to get Sunday indigestion. And the point is this, that what we need most when we want to interpret the word of God is precision. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. The prayer is that the word precision will always be on your mind as you dive into the word, whether it be for yourself, whether it be for a small group, whether it be for a Bible study. And so in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 and 16, we see, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightful, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness." And so as we pick this passage apart, we're going to find five reasons we must always interpret the Bible accurately and with precision. I'm going to make your notes real easy tonight. I'm a PowerPoint note guy. So the first reason is this. So we don't live in disappointment. So that we don't live in disappointment. And verse 14 hints to this. It says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins hearers. And so here in this passage, instead of handling scriptures carefully, some were getting caught up in irrelevant conversations and debates over words. And Timothy is charged to warn them, put a stop to this. Be done with this irrelevant discussion because in doing that, there's no profit, there's no value, there's no benefit when it's just an irrelevant discussion. Be in the word, focus on the word, drink from the word. And so in the same way, if we don't rightly divide God's word, then people will walk away from our conversations about the word doesn't have to necessarily be a sermon, right? But when we speak of the word, we speak of what we know to be true because we've looked in it. We speak of what we know to be true because we've heard men who preach from it. If we do that incorrectly, if we don't get into it ourselves and divide the word correctly, people are going to leave disappointed, People leave disappointed because the word of God, when spoken to a soul that's just on fire, is water to a soul. It's not that your words don't matter. It's not that your words of comfort don't bring comfort. They, they do, right? But when someone speaks scripture to your heart, man, it does something special. It's outside of just, hey, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Things are going to get better. That's great. That's nice. That's nice. I would encourage you to say that. We're not robots, right? But on the same token, where's the hope? Where, where are you? Where's the comfort come from? We speak from the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that brings peace, that passes all understanding. That's what we speak. And when we speak with that truth, it's changing. It affects people. It affects people. And so rightly dividing the word of God when we don't do it correctly it disappoints. It leaves people wanting. It leaves you disappointed. It leaves you wanting. And so if you don't want your Bible reading to be a disappointment to yourself and your own growth and to others around you, we must be diligent to rightly divide the scriptures. That's number one. The second reason why we must do this, I find this even more compelling than the first reason, is this. So we don't damage others. So we don't damage others. There's nobody in this room that wants to hurt somebody else. You're loving, you're kind people. But when we don't divide the word of God correctly, it can damage people. Without God's word correctly interpreted, there would be ruined Christians. There have been ruined Christians. Look again at verse 14. It says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. You see that in the end of verse 14? You can underline ruins of hearers. Ruins the hearers. And we even have this example, if we just skip ahead, to 16, 17, and 18. Don't believe me. Believe the word, right? So we get into 16, 17, and 18. It says, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus, uh, who, have been sw- who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. And they are upset, upsetting the faith of some. And so right here, we have this example given in verses 16, 17, and 18. We see these two names of these Ephesian Bible teachers who were not dividing the word correctly. Hymenaeus and Philetus. Plan on getting married? Plan on having kids? Tuck those two names away in your pocket for later. You may want those. Hymenaeus and Philetus. These were two Bible teachers in Ephesus who erred concerning the truth. They were teaching the church that the resurrection of believers had already taken place. And because of this, some people's faith were wavering. It was ruining people. It was ruining people. And isn't that how uh, false teaching starts, right? Isn't that how cults start? We've seen documentaries on it. We know, right? That's how cults start is you get this person who might... uh, Take the word of God just a little. And in this, this, we see this in Genesis, right? Did God really say, I mean, right from the get go, that twisting of God's word, right, with the serpent? And this happened throughout history. There's been nothing new under the sun. And here we see it happening with these guys. And is this what they twist God's word just enough, and it ruins lives, it messes people up. Messing with the word of God is no joke. It is important that we understand exactly what we're doing, and we're intentional with what we're saying. Words matter, don't they? Words matter. The Apostle Peter mentioned that some had done this to the Apostle, uh, or to the Pauline epistles. Right for Paul, he mentions it in chapter uh, Second Peter chapter three verse sixteen. As he does in all of his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Uh, look, I'm not saying we have to be 100% right on everything. I, we're not, we can't all be Bible scholars. I know guys who are so much smarter than I am. But we got to be faithful, right? we got to be careful. We have to be precision when we're doing this stuff. It matters. It matters. And so... It's clear that those who deliberately distort, as we see in 2 Peter chapter 3, if they distort any portion of God's word to meet their own purposes, there will be awful consequences. Specifically, their destruction. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. Understand that Charles, Daniel, Phil, myself, we're not the manufacturers of the word. We're simply the distributors of the word. Right, I don't make the pizza. I just deliver it. It's important that when we look at this passage, we understand that some scriptures are difficult to understand. I get that. That's fair. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. But we must be careful in the way that we interpret even the difficult passages. And so here's how I would charge you. Sometimes it is better to say, man, I don't know. The answer to that. I I don't. That's a great question that you've just posed. And uh, I see the text. I'm reading it with you, but I don't know that. Can I study that? Can I ask some people? Can I get back with you? There's nothing wrong with that. That's just humility, right? And that's caution, that's precision. Don't come up with a false answer just because you don't want to look like somebody who doesn't have the answer. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I'll look into it. I'll talk to somebody who does know. And I'll get back with you. Show humility in your study, right? Be okay with not knowing the answer. That's all right. It really is. And so better yet, say to the person who asked you the question, uh, you know, I don't know that. I've actually done this um, with people when I do know the answer. I won't lie, but I'll say that's a great question. Let's look that up together and let's figure that out. Because I want them to work through Scripture. I want them to see how Scripture does have answers for us. I don't always feel the need to just blurt out the answer. It's good that they look in the Word of God, that they hold it in their hand, that with their eyes, they put eyes on the Holy Scriptures. And so don't be ashamed or afraid to do that. God requires all believers to read the Word for themselves and to receive insight and life from it. I say that because after this point, this is a longer point, right? the longest point, but it's one of those where after saying this, you may be going, okay, got it, precision. Uh, Thanks, Pastor Ben, this has been great. I'm scared to death to open the word of God now. I don't want that to be the case. That's not what we're charging here. That's not what Paul is charging Timothy with, but what he is saying is we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. We don't want you to go... Uh, we're just going to become the kind of person who we're going to go to church, we're going to live moral lives. And as we have Bible questions, we'll just go and seek somebody's advice who has gone to seminary and knows what they're doing. No, that's not what you're called to do. That is not what the Bible calls us to. The Bible calls us to open the word of God and to be honorable in the reading of the word in our interpretation. And so it's very okay for you to, to be uh, to have a proper fear of the Lord It is okay for you to have a proper fear of the scriptures right? To, to be able to say There is there's reverence In how I see the word of God There is reverence and precision In how I open and work through The word of God That's a good thing uh, it, Phil, he said that earlier, did he not? That's what Luther was fighting for right? His stance Let us have the chance to read the word ourselves I don't need somebody to read it for me and to tell me their opinion on God's word. I need to drink that in myself, right? You get married, can you imagine uh, that whole, you know, your beautiful wife and you, and and you're having that conversation and uh, I don't want to talk to her, but I'm going to tell Joe to tell her something for me, right? Uh, Joe, let my wife know that I love her with all my heart and that she's good people, right? Lame, no, you talk with her. You interact with her. We interact with the word, right? We get into it. It's a love letter, right? Like it's more than a love letter, but you've heard that before. And it is of sorts, but there's so much more to it. Interact with the word of God. Number three, one very attractive blessing of rightly dividing the word of truth is highlighted in the third reason, which is so we are found approved. This is found in verse 15. Verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. Those who interpret the word accurately enjoy the distinction, the distinction of being approved unto God there is no higher distinction that a Christian, that a a creature of God can receive. This is far better than any degree, any certification, any award that you might receive to uh, being approved unto God. This comes by being very clear on the word. And there's times where we're not clear, right? There's times where we're not very clear with things in our communication, whether it's receiving information or giving information. I have three boys, and when one of them was really, really small, um, they're teenagers now. They, they, so this was a long time ago. So they come up to me, and they're like, Dad, I just got out of the pool. I'm like, hey, look at you. You look really nice and clean. Anyways, he goes inside. And Mom's like, hey, it's time to go get in the shower. He's like, Dad said I didn't have to. I'm clean. I'm like, no, that's not what I said at all. You stink, go get in the shower. And so whenever we have those moments of unclarity, uncertainty, it's important that we have our message straight, that we're clear and succinct with what we have to say. God, understand this, is in the business of quality control. God is in the business of quality control. No cheap, careless work can be accepted by God when we handle the holy scriptures. Therefore, we must put our best efforts into it. Daniel said it, and it's true. He said, we have no room for personal interpretation. We have no room for personal interpretation. So it's important that we are found approved. Number four, the fourth reason we rightly divide the word of God is so we have no reason to be ashamed. No reason to be ashamed. This is brought out in the word worker in verse uh, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. And notice that it's not just any kind of a worker. He is a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Growing up, my dad had this like, amazing work ethic. Uh, he, I saw him work all the time. He, everybody loved his, his business and uh, just him and his personality. And he was just a great worker, great work ethic, worked all the time, and did it to the glory of God. And uh, taught us to do the same thing. And I remember one time, the first job I ever had was bagging groceries. And I was great at it. I'm not going to lie. I love bagging groceries. And we did it in Tennessee. And uh, that was where this grocery store was. I bagged the groceries. I take it out. Anyways, you know, he got me that job, essentially. He said, I got a buddy, Rusty. He's going to be your manager. He works there. And this is going to be a great just part-time job. They're going to be flexible with your schedule. But I'm putting my name on the line. So do a good job. And I thought, <laughs> OK. <clears> OK. <throat> And so I go about doing this for like a year and a half. And then I'm getting ready to move to Evansville to do college, right? Like I'm ready to go. Uh, it's been, a, well, it's been a couple of years. Uh, getting ready to move to Evansville. And I've told him I'm out. I, I can't come. Uh, here's my two weeks. Because I was told, that's what a man does. He puts his two-week notice in. And then he says, that gives them time to fill the spot, right? So I put my two-week notice in. And they have me on this really obscure thing where it's like, Oh, we're not working you at all until this last Saturday for like four hours. Four hours. I come to Evansville. I get all my stuff moved up here, and uh, it's Thursday, and Dad calls. He's like, hey, did you make it safe? I'm like, I made it safe. He goes, uh, are you done with work? I said, yeah, they got me on a shift on Saturday, but I'm going to call in. They'll understand. They've got it covered, blah, blah, blah. He goes, are you scheduled to be there? I said, well, they're scheduled me. He goes, you need to be there. I'm like, Dad, I'm six hours away. He goes, You're on the list. You need to be there. Uh, I hauled myself back to Tennessee so I could work a four-hour shift so that I could drive back. I was on the road for 12
0: hours.
1: (laughs) But that was part of the business of making sure that I was being intentional, right? This is the kind of attitude that we need to have with the Word of God. Those who handle it must be and desire an awesome sense of duty, particularly if they intend to pass the word on to someone else, which I hope you do. I hope you do. That's just pure discipleship. That's just being a good parent, being a good grandparent, right? To pass the word on. Those who are careless
0: with this duty, as it says here, will be ashamed before God. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org. Or you can email us at info at 4 csummitorg We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we listen to part two of this message. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for His glory each and every day.